Well, good morning, Athens First United Methodist Church. It is good to be with you on yet another beautiful fall Sunday morning in the month of October. It is, uh, it's a beautiful thing to be in worship with you this morning. And honestly, I don't know how things could be better than they are right now. I mean, you know it's going to be a good day when you've got the Wesleyan Youth Choir and the Sanctuary Choir singing together. And they did an amazing job. Amen. You know it's going to be a good Sunday when you don't even have room to bring up the offering plates because our altar arrangements, our flowers are so big and beautiful. But yeah, yeah. And you know it's going to be a good day when you, when you welcome uh, eight people into the life of the church. And we're so grateful to be able to celebrate that today. It begs the question, how could worship get any better? And then we brought the coffee in. And today, we actually have a really big surprise for you, because after worship, as we've been doing for the past couple of weeks, not only do we have coffee for you, but it's actually a special kind of coffee, and if you haven't been out there yet, I'll reveal it to you later. But for now, just know that we've got some really good coffee coming in just a little bit. Why? Because we are in week three of a sermon series on coffee. It's called Freshly Brewed Faith. And over these last couple of weeks, what we've been doing is looking at the intersection between faith and coffee which I know is kind of a strange thing. I know that most people do not think, hmm, I wonder what the, what the faith implications of a venti, mocha, frappuccino, whatever thing is. I know most of us don't tend to think in those terms, but I think Jesus did. I mean, when you look at the way that he used to teach throughout the Gospels, he loved to use parables, he loved to use analogies, he loved to look at nature and say, look at, the, look at these seeds, look at this fruit, look at these trees, look at the soil, look at the way they inform our faith, look at what they teach us about what it means to be a follower of me. So that's what we're doing. For, th for five weeks in the month of October, we're looking at how coffee and faith come together and what they can teach us about what it means to be faithful followers of Jesus. So this morning, I want us to begin the conversation by looking at a passage of scripture that comes from uh, the book of Revelation. We're gonna look in the third chapter, starting with verse 14. Uh, these are God's words to the church at Laodicea. Hear what God's word to this church is. To the angel of the church in Laodicea, this is what I want you to write. There, these are the words of the amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds. I know that you are neither hot nor cold, and I wish that you were either one or the other. But because you are lukewarm, because you are neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. But you say, I, I'm rich, and I've acquired wealth, and I don't need a thing, but you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire, so that you will become rich, and you will attain white clothes to wear, so that you can cover your shameful nakedness, and salve to put on your eyes, so that you can see. But those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. So be earnest, therefore, and repent. For here I am. I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with that person and they with me. And so to the one who is victorious, 
I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we give you thanks for this day, and we ask just one thing, that you would speak to us this day. Open our hearts and our minds and our ears that we might hear a word from you that is meant just for us. And may that word seep down into the very marrow of our bones that we cannot help but leave this place and live it out through our lives and with our actions. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen. So this morning, I feel like I need to start with a bit of a confession And that is uh, that over the past couple of weeks, we've been talking a lot about coffee and faith and how they intersect. And and in the midst of those conversations, I realize that I have mentioned a number of times Starbucks coffee. I've talked to you about how I've had Starbucks and I drink Starbucks and I visit Starbucks. And I even went out to Seattle to see the very first Starbucks that ever opened. And in so doing, I realized that I've probably given you the impression that I'm a really big fan of Starbucks coffee, but I want you to know that couldn't be further from the truth. Now that's not to say that I won't drink it, I do. It's just that if I have choices, like if I have options, I will always pick something out, if, if, something else. I, I, if I have my druthers, uh, Starbucks is, is never at the top of my choices. The reason why is because I grew up in New England. And if you know anything about New England, you know that on every street corner there are at least two things, a Catholic church and a Dunkin' Donuts. (laughs) And so that's what I was raised on. That's what I drank growing up. I was a Dunkin' Donuts guy. And so I've always believed that it is a superior cup of coffee. And so it is that every morning when I stand at my my little coffee pot and my Dunkin' Donuts is brewing, that acronym, that famous acronym is always going through my mind, WWJD, what would Jesus drink? And it's Dunkin' Donuts. If you didn't know, I'm convinced (laughs) it's Dunkin' Donuts. Now, the fact that I drank Dunkin' Donuts for most of my life really didn't have an impact on anything of significance that is until I got married. And I discovered that my beautiful bride, Sharon, uh, had a very different opinion when it came to her coffee preferences. Uh, That not only does she not like Dunkin' Donuts, but she is an unapologetic Starbucks drinker, and that's what she drinks every single day. Now, did this information come out in our premarital counseling? (laughs) No, it did not. And so it was kind of a shock to us to to, to finally realize that in the first couple of weeks of marriage, you know, we finally kind of discovered like, oh my gosh, this is a pretty big difference of opinion here. And so it brought about a lot of emotions. There was some anger, disappointment. There was some confusion, depression. But there were also a lot of attempts to try to convert one another, all of which were unsuccessful. So for our very first anniversary, on, the, on, the, on, on July 12th, 2004, when we finally were celebrating one year together, we decided to get each other the greatest gifts that we have ever given each other. We gave each other identical coffee makers. 
so that neither one of us would ever have to wait for the other pot to finish so that we could then brew ours. No, every day we get to brew our own coffee simultaneously. And I can tell you that other than our faith in God, it is the singular thing that has kept us together this long. Now, whether you are a Starbucks drinker or a Dunkin' Donuts drinker or somebody, something totally different, it really doesn't matter because the two things are really the one thing that both Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts have in common is the fact that you can get a lot of different kinds of coffee there. There are a lot of different options on the menu, but you can only order them in one of two ways. You can either get their coffee piping hot or ice cold meaning that there, there's not a third option on the menu. You can't go to either of them and, and order like a, a, a pumpkin spice latte and expect it to come out tepid, nor can you order like a java chip frappuccino and expect it to come out half melted and kind of slushy. No, at Dunkin' Donuts and Starbucks, you can only get it in one of two ways. It's either really, really hot or really, really cold, and that's because both places believe that the way to enjoy their coffee the most. In order for their beverages to be at their best, they have to be served at their optimal temperature. They have to be either hot or cold. Now, I know you're probably wondering, what on earth does this have to do with the Christian faith? But interestingly, the author of the book of Revelation is named with John. I think John would tell us this morning, actually, it has a lot to do with the Christian faith. Now, if you have ever read uh, the book of Revelation, you probably know that in the very first three chapters, uh, it, it kind of describes what God does. God shows up to a guy named John who was a pastor. He was an apostle, and he was exiled on an island called Patmos. And while John was there, God shows up and he says to John, I got a favor to ask. Would you be willing to write seven letters to seven different churches that are located in the Roman province of Asia Minor, that is what is today uh, modern-day Turkey. John said, sure, be happy to. Just tell me what you want me to write, and I'll write them down. So that's what God did. God kind of dictated what he wanted John to write down to these churches. And to the first six churches, the message was essentially positive and uplifting. I mean, there were a few things that God wanted the churches to work on, but other than that, the message was simply this. Uh, churches, hey, guess what? I've seen what you're up to. I've seen your faith, I've seen your deeds, I've seen your perseverance, and I just want you to know you're doing a great job. Keep up the good work. I imagine there were a lot of thumbs-up emojis at the end of the sentences in those first six letters. Then there was a seventh letter. And the seventh letter was to the seventh church, which was the church at Laodicea. And let's just say there weren't a lot of thumbs-up emojis in that one. Not a lot of hearts, not a lot of smiley faces. In fact, the entire tone of the letter is different from the first six letters. Because essentially what God says to the church at Laodicea is, uh, Church, I've seen your faith too. I've seen your deeds, I've seen how you try to live out your discipleship, and I just want you to know that your faith makes me sick to my stomach. It literally makes me want to spit you out of my mouth, or as one translation puts it, church, you make me want to vomit. Now I realize that that's a, that's a harsh verse to read right before 
lunch. You know, it's like not the most appetizing verse I'm sure I could have picked for you this morning, and I do apologize. But at the very least, I think we've got to, we've got to be impressed by the fact that, that God is not sugarcoating how God feels about this church's faith. In fact, I know one minister who not only loves this verse, but he has it bookmarked in his Bible, like at all times. And what he uses for a bookmark is one of those air sickness bags that you can get on an airplane. You know the ones I'm talking about? The ones that are in the little compartment in front of you. And what he did is he took that out and he wrote in big bold letters at the top, don't let your faith make me sick. Signed, God. And he's put it in Revelation 3 ever since. Now, I don't know if that kind of Bible bookmark is your cup of tea. I don't know if you'll be going to the Christian bookstore later thinking, I wonder where the air sickness bags are. Uh, but you got to give them points for creativity, am I right? Because it's a, it's a profound thing to, to read this and to realize, like, oh my gosh, this is God speaking to his church. It's pretty intense. And what's most interesting to me is not just the fact that God says to the church, your faith makes me sick, but it's why the church's faith makes God sick. Because did you notice what he said? I mean, he essentially says, and I promise you, I know that I'm paraphrasing here, but God says to them, your faith makes me sick because it is nothing like how Starbucks or Dunkin' Donuts serves its coffee. Because at Starbucks and Dunkin' Donuts, you get it one or two ways. You get it really, really hot or really, really cold, and that is exactly how I want your faith to be. I wish you were either one or the other. I wish you were really hot or really cold. I wish you were all in or you wouldn't bother with it at all. But instead, you're neither one or the other. You're neither hot nor cold. No, you are the, you are the worst thing that can happen when it comes to one's faith. God said, you're lukewarm. Now, have you ever had something that's supposed to be hot and it turned out to be lukewarm? That is always a disappointing and unsatisfying experience. I mean, I, I know it happens to me almost on a constant basis because I'll get up in the morning and I'll brew some coffee and I'll pour a cup and then I get distracted. I go out and I, you know, follow up with some emails or I take a phone call and inevitably I come back 30 or 40 minutes later and I take my first sip and it is disgusting because it was supposed to be piping hot and instead it turned into this old, stale, tepid, kind of barely warm cup of coffee and so, of course, I spit it out, I pour it down the sink, and I pour myself a new cup of coffee. Why? Because there is nothing worse than something that's supposed to be hot, and it becomes lukewarm. God said to the church at Laodicea, it is exactly the same way when it comes to your faith. Because you know what a lukewarm Christian is? A lukewarm Christian is the kind of Christian who is not like, who hasn't abandoned their faith, but they're also not on fire for God in their faith. They're the kind of Christian that's somewhere in the middle. They're what John Wesley would have called an almost Christian. They're the kind of Christian who very willingly will go to things like church and a Bible study and, and they'll go serve on a mission project or whatever it is so long as. They feel like it, or it's convenient, 
or the reason something else has gotten in the way. That's what a lukewarm Christian is. It's the kind of person who has lots and lots and lots of priorities in life, and God and faith are just one of them. A couple months ago, I was walking downtown, and uh, I was actually on my way to Jittery Joe's to get a cup of coffee, so I'm not just a Dunkin' Donuts guy. But I was on my way, and I, and, and I don't know if this ever happens to you, but, but I was walking downtown, and, and I saw a person that I, I recognized, and, and as a, a pastor who's been the pastor of a lot of different churches, sometimes you have to stop and go, how do I know this person? <laughs> and where do I know them from? Is it this church? Is it another church? Where do I know them from? And finally it dawned on me, oh my gosh, this was a former church member of mine. This was a guy from a church that I, I used to serve some years ago, and, uh, and he was an amazing human being. He was like the definition of faithfulness for me because there wasn't anything he was unwilling to do at the church. I mean, he was always there every Sunday, every Wednesday night. He was always serving, always helping, always volunteering. He was just the picture of faithfulness in my book. Well, that is until uh, the pandemic hit. And, uh, and his life, like all of our lives, got upended. All of the routines, all of the patterns, all the things that we were used to doing, I, we couldn't do them anymore. And it was, it was really frustrating. It was really problematic. It's especially the case when it comes to church, because this was the place that most of us wanted to be every single Sunday. And then we weren't allowed to anymore. And so it kind of threw us off rhythm of course, I realized that we had a live stream available, which was a wonderful thing. It wonder continues to be a wonderful thing. I know that for me, we would like pre-record worship and then it would pop up on the screen on Sundays. And so I finally got to worship with my families. It was, it was in my, you know, it was on my couch and in my PJs. But it was nice, and I kind of liked it. I even liked if the sermon was getting long, you know, go pour yourself an extra cup of coffee. Why not? Who's going to yell at you? There are no ushers. And so, you know, it was just a nice thing, but over the course of time, what happened is it started to get a little old, you know, the novelty started to wear off, and I think a lot of people started going, well, I don't know why I need to watch this live, you know what I'm going to do, I'll catch up on it later. Or if it's not today, it's next week, I, I promise, I'll catch up, because I've got the lawn to mow, I've got the garden to tend, I've got a million things I've got to do, and somehow faith just started kind of becoming less of a priority for folks to the point that when the doors of the churches reopened, people struggled coming back in. There were a lot of people who were like, ah, this used to be a pattern, but I can't get back into it because I fell out somewhere along the way. Well, that's exactly what happened to this person. And so I remember running into him downtown. I'm like, hey, how are you doing? And then I asked him the question, so how, how's the church? How are things at the church? And he said, oh, well, honestly, I, I don't really know. And I said, oh, do you, do you not go to that church anymore? And he said, no, 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 I still go. I'm still a member. It's just I, I really haven't been back much since COVID. I've been, you know, Christmas Eve, but that was probably the last time I was there. So I, I don't, I don't, I don't. I don't really know because you know life, life it's just so busy these days you know it's like a million things to do so many things to juggle and I want to get back in I really do it's just so many other things that get in the way I want you to know that when I was having that conversation with him there was zero part of me 
that felt judgmental. Like there was no part of me that was like, oh, how could you? I can't believe you admit this to a pastor. I didn't judge him. I didn't blame him. You know why? Because I've been there before. And you probably have too. I would imagine that every single one of us at some point in our journey of faith have been in that place where our faith is not on fire for God, but it's also not completely absent. It's just somewhere in the middle. The book of Revelation says that's what's called being lukewarm. It's when our faith is something that's important to us only when it's convenient, only when it's something that benefits us. It's like a country song I heard the other day. Uh, it says something to the effect of, I only pray to God when I need a favor. That's what you call being lukewarm. Because it's only saying that faith is important when it benefits me. To that, God says, I'm sorry. Really, I am. But that kind of faith makes me sick. Because I wish, I wish, I wish you were either one or the other. You were hot or you're cold, but you're neither. You are lukewarm, and it makes me want to spit you out of my mouth. Now, I don't know how this went over with the church at Laodicea. I don't know what the reaction was. John never says, you know, oh, they were really upset by that. But I would imagine they were. I would imagine that they were ashamed of this. They were hurt by this. They were disappointed in their own actions, right? But here's the good news. That is not where the letter ends. Like God does not say to the church at Laodicea, I I want to spit you out of my mouth because your faith is so lukewarm, period. (laughs) And then he just seals the envelope and sends it to the church. No, the letter keeps going. And what God says to the church is this, "Um, church, I want you to know something. I love you. And those whom I love, I hold accountable. I, 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 I correct and, and I guide them to be the very best that they can be. And you, oh church, I love you. And so here's what I want you to do. I want you to repent. I want you to change. I want you to do a 180 degree turn and to come back to me because it's not too late. In fact, I'm standing at the door of your heart, and I am knocking right now. And anyone, anyone who answers the door and lets me in, I will come in, I will dine with them, and they with me forever. In other words, what God is saying to the church at Laodicea is, I am the God of second chances. And anyone who has closed the door of their heart through their lukewarm faith, through their inconsistent or occasional Christianity, I'm not going to give up on you. I'm going to keep coming. I'm going to keep calling. I'm going to keep knocking. I'm going to keep waiting for you to open the door. Because here is my promise to you. It is never too late to make your lukewarm faith hot again. That is a promise from God. So here's my question to you. How's your faith this morning? Like on the spectrum of from like super hot to really cold, where would you land? Or as John Wesley would ask, how is it with your soul?
Like, are you in that place where you're like, literally things couldn't be better, my faith has never been stronger, Jeremy, this is just an affirmation of all the things that are going well in my faith. Or, are you in that place where you think, gosh, you know, my faith is not in a good place. In fact, I don't know that I've ever felt more distant from God. Maybe you're struggling with doubts with God. Or maybe this morning you're in that place where you're just somewhere in the middle. You know, you're not on fire, but you're not completely abandoning your faith. You're just somewhere in the middle where faith has become one of many different priorities in your life. Wherever you are, my prayer for you is this, that God's words to the church at Laodicea would be the words to you and to us in the church in Athens, Georgia that you would hear loud and clear the Holy Spirit's call upon your life to turn around, to change, and to make God the priority again. Because what God wants to say to you this morning is simply this. I love you, church. And I want what's best for you. And I am standing at the door of your heart, and I am knocking as loud as I can. The only thing that you have to do is let him in. Amen. Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the ways that you speak to us, sometimes with conviction. Because God, you know that we need it sometimes. Sometimes we need to hear words that help us to take a look into the mirror of our soul and to realize that things aren't always the way we want them to be. So God, may this morning be a catalytic moment for us in our faith. Not just as individuals, but as a church. God, may we, may we make the collective decision that today is the day when we turn things around. That if things are not where they need to be, that we would make a commitment to you that would say, God, I want a faith that is as hot as it can be, we no longer wish to settle for lukewarm. God, I know that that is what you're able to do, and I know that your Holy Spirit will work in and through us. So God, hear our prayers this morning and send us forth so that we might be on fire with passion for you. It is in Jesus' mighty name that we pray. Amen.